You're listening to The Scoop, the show that gives you the inside story on South Stockport's independent businesses. Each week, we'll bring an interview with a local business owner. We will find out about their journey to independence and what they can offer to our community. As a resident and a business owner myself, I think it's important to give other local enterprises a voice and a platform to share their stories, challenges and importantly successes. And with so many local businesses, independents and entrepreneurs in Cheadle Hume, Bramall and beyond, we can be sure to hear some exciting tales. This week we'll be hearing from local bar owner and hot master Andrew O'Shea. Hi Andrew, you okay? Hot master, I've never been called that before. Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Oh, How are you? You alright? It was different from a aficionado. Yeah, I'm, I'm very well, thanks to you. Yeah, all good, cheers. All good. Okay, cool. So, um, normally I ask people first about their, um, about their business, but as I'm sat here with a can of my wheelie bin goes out more than I do. I thought it'd be interesting to find out what's in your glass tonight, Andrew. Well, I've got, uh, well, you probably find this bit, bit mainstream, actually. I've got a, a nice German wheat beer from, uh, well, it's from the Saps at the bar. Um, I've got a, 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 growl, a growler filling machine, and I just thought I fancied a couple of a couple of pints of that, so I filled up the growler with some wheat beer tonight. So it's just nice and refreshing. Uh, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a, um, not one that the hop heads will particularly like. It's more kind of nuanced with the with the yeast that they use in a sort of Bavarian wheat beer. I could probably talk about it for quite a long time and bore people to death. So I'll just I'll, <laughs> I'll just leave it there. Well, I've just I've just opened up with a wah wah wee wah. Have you had a wah wah wee wah to start with? You're stringing sentences together. Uh, yeah, that was, that was brewed uh, just after sort of uh, early March, I think I brewed that, and uh, it's a 10% bar- 10% barley wine, and I sat on it, sat on it for four months, and um, beers of that strength, which is 10%, need a bit of time to kind of straighten themselves out once they go into the bottle, so I've just released it, just released it this month, and it's, it's gonna, um, if you, if you, want to buy another one put it away forget about it come back in a year's time and it'll be it'll be something else altogether it's, that type of beer just evolves in the in the bottle it's it's uh, yeah absolutely i noticed on the uh i noticed on the packaging because um, you have a best before date don't you and it says this beer will age well yeah yeah the wheelie bin says uh, best before next thursday <laughs> <laughs> yeah is that your bin day yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the the, the Willy bin was in uh, name was inspired by my family in Australia. There was a there was a phenomenon in Australia about uh, people that started dressing up in fancy dress to take the wheelie bin out because that was their, oh, their wow. thought. Their thought was that people uh, that the wheelie bin went out more than they did, so they tried to correct that by dressing up to take the bins out. Uh, just just YouTube it when you get a really really slow moment. I, I was there thinking it was about lockdown. Oh yeah, it is about lockdown as well. And this is the you know my my, my folks in Australia said you know this is what's happening in Australia during lockdown. People are like dressing in fancy dress to put the put the bins out at the end of you know at the end of the week because this is the only <laughs> time they got to dress up and uh, celebrate. 
Right then, let's um, let's crack on about the business then, shall we? Um, so do you want to tell us about, about your business, Andrew, about your journey and, and where you are today with it? Okay. Uh, well, my journey is kind of like a, a journey from hospitality into another career and then coming back from that career uh, as a business owner. So I was um, in hospitality since I left school at 16. Uh, trained as a trained as a chef initially, and um, went on to do some higher qualifications, and found myself in Manchester uh, because that's where the opportunities lied in hospitality, and worked in bars and restaurants until my late twenties, and then had a bit of a time out to travel, uh, went over South America and Australia and what have you. And uh, came back and decided to get into uh, teaching. So I did a bit of teacher training and uh, started teaching in FE, which I spent roughly eight or nine years doing that. And um, during my time there, I was sort of developing sort of hobbies as you do when you start getting, you know, getting a bit more mature. Uh, so I would... Um, Got into got to got to home brewing, and um, one of the beers that you know first sort of pricked my ears up was uh, Sierra Nevada because I'd never tasted anything like that before in my life. You know, as English English ales, I just saw them as a bit kind of not to my talent, to, uh, not to my taste really. They were just kind of a bit kind of. Uh, not quite, not quite something that excited me. But since since then, now I I, I do have a deeper appreciation of English ales because I'm, I'm sort of a bit more refined and then start to sort of see um, more what they're about. But back to where I went to with with my career. I left uh, well before I left teaching. My wife gave birth to our daughter, and my wife's in Amdram, and she was in a play with my business partner who I didn't know at the time. And um, following the birth, she came around, gave uh, our daughter a present and what have you and said that we've got an idea to open a, um, a micro-pub craft beer place in Cheadle Hume. So that was where the idea was born and then, um, it kind of gained momentum. And we opened the Chiverton in May 24. 15, if I remember correctly. So it's five years old this year. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> Bob um, Bob Ellis, who's Mary's husband, got first dibs on that because he, uh, he was working in the law and he, uh, he, he left his career in the law and um, ran that. So he was prepared to take that, that, that leap at that time. I was a bit more bit cagey because I had a, a newborn and stuff like that, so I was, it wasn't the right time for me. So we had a we had probably about six or nine months of trading at the Shiverton, and that's when I was sort of starting to think this is gonna this is this is working, this is gonna work out now. So uh, we started looking for another place, and the feedback we got was a lot of people heading down from Bramall saying, "Well, we need somewhere like this in Bramall." So based on that and not much else sort of market research. We just kind of just went for it. We found a site and we 
um, found the mounting stone, which was a bit of a wreck at the time. Uh, but the, the, the spot it's in is great. It's really like central. Yeah. It's not too big, so you, your rates are reasonable and your rent's reasonable. And there's a bit of scope to develop it with a basement and a beer garden and stuff like that. It's a bit of a tardis, actually. Once, as you, if you saw it as a shop beforehand, you'd sort of not look twice at it. But we saw a bit of potential in the site, yeah. but we had to, we had to, yeah, I to, um, we had to plow a bit Karen, of cash in. When I interviewed her um, from Gino, that I saw her video of her walking around her her unit. And I was like, well, hold on a second. When you go into Jim Hall Sports or Corridors, it's one room. So how on earth is Gino that big? And and then you guys are exactly the same, I suppose, but I've not put the two together. Yeah. I've always had a few when I've been in Yeah, well, Karen's got the benefit of, um, you know, the, the footprint of the building is pretty, pretty substantial. Um, think thing about our place is you, you've got to factor in the toilets and stuff like that. So that takes a lot of your footprint away. Um, but with a, with a, a beautician, probably maximize that space a little bit more and not have to have so many amenities for, for your clients. So, but she's got, she's got, uh, is it three stories she's got there. So yeah, she's got quite a nice bit of space. Definitely a tardy stuff. But yeah, it's it's deceptive. It so is really you, deceptive. So so are you still um are you still part of the Chiverton Tap or oh, yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Very much so, yeah. We are uh, we are aligned uh but we kind of operate uh independently, so I mean, you know all the day to day decisions. I think the mass the last major decision that we made was the um, lockdown where we decided to close before we were told to close because we felt it was the right thing to do. We could see we could see the writing on the wall and we're just like, right, let's just let's go out with a bang instead of fizzling out. So we had a bit of a flash sale and yeah. got everybody down and it was it was a it was a nice evening. And then um, yeah. two days later as we kind of predicted, it was we were told to shut anyway. So, uh, so you know, big stuff, big stuff like that. We we collaborate on day to day. It's just like right. we leave ourselves to our own devices. Fair enough. And then, um, so going back into your story a little bit. So you said you were in catering. You trained as a chef. Got some higher education stuff as a chef. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you said you moved. You moved to Manchester because that's where the business is. Are you not originally from the area then? No, no, I'm from, uh, I don't know if my accent sort of uh, tells a lie. Um, I'm, I'm originally from Preston, so if you put me in a room full of Prestonians, okay. I'd soon be saying Luke in the cookbook and all this sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but um, I've been down here as long as I've lived there, so I've kind of uh, right. assimilated now. Um yeah, I came down uh, okay. 1998. Right. Okay, cool. So, so you moved to Manchester for your um, for your catering career, and then you got into teaching. Yeah. How did, how did that happen? Well, after the, after the travelling, we were just kind of like looking at our our lifestyles. We were we were both working um, 
my wife and I. Um, Paul's part when it came to sort of uh, times of day. So we wanted to align that a little bit and just sort of get into a bit more of a steady work life and uh, leisure balance rather than me working at night and her working during the day. So, it, um, and I felt like I got enough experience in the industry to be able to teach some stuff to somebody else who doesn't know anything who's coming into the industry and wants to wants to do something with it. And so it was it was catering that you were teaching, was it? In, in yeah, it was uh, FE, so it was like MVQ level one, two, and three. So it was sort of foundation. Well, and I did a bit of foundation university stuff as well, but it was mostly practical skills that I was teaching people and a little bit of theory of catering. But uh, cool. And did you enjoy that? I did enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, I did enjoy it. But it's it's very demanding. Um, and it was uh, it was also a little bit corporate, which I'd sort of not been in in my career ever. I'd always worked at a lot of independence and stuff like that, so that was a bit of a shock to the system. And coming back out of it again, and having been freed of that sort of corporate um, environment, I realised that it's not quite the place for me. So I, I probably didn't fit in that. In that environment, although although I did it, I did enjoy the the interaction with the young people and stuff like that. That was really yeah. good. Uh, and but then I suppose then opening up the opening up the pub and then moving further down the line, um, setting up the brewery, uh, Made in Stone, brought you back to that catering route and that creative, um, like taste. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just sort of a, just the kind of earthiness, and the kind of independent, kind of mm-hmm. free to do what you want, and not having to be too kind of um, worried about wearing a shirt and tie and looking kind of <laughs> slick and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Excellent. So, um, I want you to ask next, Andrew. I'm. I mean, I don't know if listeners are, but I'm aware that the Chiverton Tap used to be, it was a toy shop, wasn't it? Well, it's been all sorts down the years. But it was, the name came from the toy shop, did it not? Am I, am I right? I'm going to have to correct you there. Uh, it used okay. to be a, um, a milliner, hat shop and milliner, which okay. Stockport was synonymous for. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and the guy was called... Charles Chiverton, and um, he was he was the, I suppose the most predominant occupant of that building. Um, down down the years, it's been all sorts. It has been a toy shop, it's been a kitchen shop. I think it's been a, a deli. Uh, no, not a, a diner of some sort as well. So it's been a, it's been a few things over the years. Um, but your name came from. From him did it, Charles Chiverton. Yeah, we tie we, we you know we're both businesses. We've uh, we've we've tried to um, include a bit of local history to to, to tie the name into because right. the Mountain Stone. I was aware of the Chiverton link, but what's the uh, what's the Mountain Stone? <laughs> Okay, so uh, just down the way from the Mountain Stone, uh, probably about three, four businesses down, is Alexander's of Bramall, which is a, a barber shop. Yeah. If you just look down the side of that business there, there's a, a stone, and it's got a plaque on it, and it says, this is, well, 
this stone commemorates the site of the original mountain stone, which was uh, situated, I think it's about 10, 15 yards um, in another direction towards us. Uh, okay. Um, and a mounting stone is a a thing that people used to get on a horse if they're vertically challenged or a lady who doesn't want to flash the knickers and things like that. So it's back in the day, it was like a nice, nice set of steps to just get on a, get on a horse. Mm-hmm. So that whole area there, right. um, used to be the, the old smithy. And if you, if you come around the back of our place, there's some quite, uh, I think it's Ian Mann's funeral, uh, director. He's got, he's got a building sort of, um, separate to his his building, but he's, it's still part of his, his property there, which is part of the old smoothie, I'm glad to believe. So there's quite a, quite a little bit of history kicking around if you if you, if you sort of dig down. And we, we, we like that. Yeah. You know, one of the, the ethos of the, yeah, of the mountain stone. Local, yeah, the ethos of, of us is um, sort of a, a business with, uh, a forward-thinking business with traditional values. So we want to embrace that pub thing, but also take it take it forward with sort of new, oh, newer ideas. You know that uh, local local brewery. Um, we've done some crowdfunding schemes and stuff like that in the past to to raise funds, yeah. which is a re- relatively uh, modern thing. Um, yeah. So it's, it's about keeping a pub as a pub, but also embracing technology and different ways of raising finance to 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 be in business really that is uh that's great that you've got a, that history there and and that story um with with the modern the modern business um back to yourself andre how did you find the transition um from the corporate teaching um environments to working for yourself then right uh, I remember, I remember one time in particular. <laughs> I was I was out just doing a, a job, going to get something. I think it was some uh, some materials from a, a place in Oldham. And I stopped the car, and mm-hmm. I was just uh, just picking the stuff up. And I rang Mary, and I went, "This is great. This. There's nobody breathing down my neck, but I still want to do it." You know what I mean? And it's like. Yeah. Nobody's telling you to do it, but you are driven to do stuff uh, uh, on your own back yeah. because it's you know you, you when they say oh you're your own boss, you literally are because you have to kick yourself up the backside to do stuff, and if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. So it's it's that sort of thing that just just drives you on, and and I really enjoy it, I really do. And it's so liberating to be to be just be out of that sort of environment where somebody is checking up on you, but you check up on yourself now. But you don't mind doing that because that's you. Yeah, no, absolutely. You can tell you enjoy it. I mean, when I popped in um, for a beer, you're you're always smiling. You're always happy to, to have a chat. Oh, I, lo- I love being at work. I, you know, it's that that old saying. I keep coming up with loads of sayings, don't I? Um, if, <laughs> if you enjoy the job. You- if you enjoy your job, you don't work another day in your life. That's and it's very true. Um, I mean, sometimes I'm absolutely knackered. I do I do work, but don't get me wrong. But um, 
I enjoy it, so it's not it's not a either. Fantastic. Um, moving back towards the business, uh, we've established that um, both both businesses, the Chiv and the Stone, are are named based on the area. But how how important is the local area um, to you and to the Mountain Stone, Andrew? Well, we are a local. We're a community hub, and that's where that's where I see it. Um, we get people of all ages, all walks of life in. And for some reason, which has probably been lost down the years where pubs have become bigger and more expansive and stuff like that. For some reason in our place, we don't have music. And so people just crack on and talk to each other. And it's really nice. And I really like the way that we I moved into the area about eight years ago and I didn't know a soul. I knew my wife's family. She's from around here. That's why we're here. Um, so I, I was like a fish out of water. And as soon as the Chiverton opened, it just expanded my social horizons. I knew people in passing in the street. And I think that's really important. And it makes you feel good just seeing someone that yeah. you know and recognise and you feel like you belong a bit more when you when you've got that. So that's what I think makes the the mountain so so special because it's made people come together and get to know each other, not just myself, other people and strangers. Yeah, definitely. It's one of the things that I love about about your place um, is that I can. I've often um, I've often gone in at nine o'clock at night after I finish work. Thinking well, there's no point going home yet because it's nine o'clock. I'll just get roped. I'll just get roped into something I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I go into yours. I've one or two, but I'm in there on my own, and I can't think of another apart from the chiv, another pub locally that I'm comfortable doing that in. Yeah. Whether I'm sat there on my own on my phone or chatting to the barman, or chatting to another another regular punter. Mm. And that, that's what I absolutely love about your play. And that, that goes, that goes that transcends uh, all genders as well, because we get people coming in alone yeah. that you might not get coming in alone, and they feel comfortable. It's it, you know, I, I feel like we've made a right environment for people to be able to sort of think, I can go in there on my own and be fine. It's, it's not a problem. It's un, it's not threatening. Yeah, exactly. It's not threatening or... You can even put it on a, on a Saturday night when it is when it is rammed, but you still feel really comfortable as an individual. And I've, um, I, 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 like you say, all genders, I've seen all genders, all ages in there on their own. And it's just it's just a great place to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know wow. when I when I when I when I'm off, I go down to the Chiverton. That's you know we set it up in the in the in the in the in the, in the model of what we what we want from a place. So I don't see the Chiverton as my work. I see that as a place I can go and wine myself. But you wouldn't drink in the stone on your own. I'm never alone there. You know, as soon as I, if I, if I have one too many, I, I just get a little stick for oh you, oh you look you looked a bit uh, a bit merry the other night, you know. So I don't mind. I get a lot of stick, and I give a lot of stick out as well because that's the type of that's the type of uh, place that 
that, that we are. You know, we don't take ourselves seriously, and people people like a little bit of fun poking out poking out of them if they if they responsive to it you know it's about gauging the person really and getting to know people and you know you can well, i always know when people like me that they can they can take the mick out of me which is yeah it's a good sign isn't it i think you're right it is it really is so um sticking with the business um obviously we've just come out of lockdown you've you've touched on on lock, lockdown already in um, in your story, but um, aside from that, what have been your biggest challenges um, along the way in the last five years since opening the tube and then and then moving to the stone? I say the weather is one of the biggest challenges for us. We're very much a, a, a incremental weather incremental. Sorry, not incremental. That means stepping up. Uh, incremental. Um, so people like to come to us to feel cosy and warm. They don't tend to like to come to right. us when it's when it's hot. So, uh, do you remember the heat wave a few years back, yeah, yeah. where everything was uh, parched? Yeah, that was that was quite a challenging time for us, and it kept going on and on and on and on. Okay. And coupled with that, there was also a national. Um, carbon dioxide shortage which um affected right. us by we, we, were, we were looking at the point where we were unable to dispense beer even if you wanted to because there's just no co2 okay. in the country it was, it was a bit of a bit when the rumors of, um, of tesco running out of prosecco and stuff like that happened well coca-cola was saying they're going to run out of pop and all sorts of stuff yeah it's was, it was madness um there's some some big cock up between the ammonia producing factories in the UK. They usually coordinate when they close down, but uh, they, they messed it up that year, and there was no CO two, which is a byproduct of ammonia production. Um, so yeah, we, 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 that was a bit a bit of a squeaky bum time. Um, other other challenging periods. Um, be very fortunate that it's been. You know, we've been fairly uh, well received, and it's it's we're four years in now, and I feel like we're we're established. Um, the the response that we had when we when we went into lockdown, with a lot of people coming forward with um, offers of help, and uh, which is just you know. Yeah. Mind blowing, really. So, like substantial offers of help as well, not just sort of, uh, you know, bits, bits and bobs, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which, which we're all great. We're all grateful for because there yeah. were that we we did do some vouchering on closure about just the business survival, and a ten pound is as much appreciated as a hundred pounds, as a five hundred pounds, or whatever. You know, it's it's all. Yeah really good well well meaning people that want to want to see us survive um but yeah that's that, you know i think that was the biggest challenge that 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 heat wave then so how was lockdown um a challenge then let's bring it back more recently we we have touched on it slightly but how how did it a challenge you and then and then what have you done to come out of it and and come out of it as successfully as you have yeah, well, it um, 
as much as you like to keep things in a kind of perspective, thinking, I'm all right, I'm healthy, got my family, we're not on the breadline and stuff like that. You do start to, you know, you do start to think, you know, your mind goes round and round and you're thinking, what if this, what if that and stuff like that. I mean, initially when, when we locked down and the first, let's say, four weeks of it, it was just kind of put the business to the back of my mind almost just to just to muddle through a little bit. And then uh, it took a... Took a, it took one of my regulars, uh, a guy called Robert Ridley, to say, oh, do you not think the, the, front, the, the mountain stone needs a bit of tarting up? I'll, uh, I'll come down one day and uh, give you a hand with it. And he kind of like just, off, 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 off his own back, he just, he didn't realise it at the time, but I told him what he'd done. Was He kind of just got me out of a bit of a hole. Um and we just got practical and then we did that job and then I started thinking, right, what else can we do now? And it just you know, just got me re-engaged again because I was just a bit kind of think, a bit miserable. Because you mentioned earlier on that you, you'd gone into lockdown and, and felt unwell yourself, so you isolated for two weeks. Yeah, we did, yeah. Do you think that played a part? Played a part or? Well, I was, yeah, yeah. Well, I felt, because we'd, we'd locked ourselves up for two weeks, I was pretty pretty isolated to what was going on in the real world. You know, I was seeing people and hearing about people going to supermarkets, but I hadn't, and telling me what it was like, and but I hadn't experienced it for myself. So I was a little bit behind everybody else. Um, so um, that, you know, took a bit of getting, getting used to going out again and, you know, just cracking on. Um, yeah. And then sort of for, after, after I came out of quarantine, you know, Got in touch with uh, Neil Neil Curry. So just before lockdown, I said, oh, we sort of said to each other, you know, Curry's Butchers. Yeah. Um, he's a great guy. Um, if there's anything we can do to help each other, and I, I offered a bit of, you know, just just to get out, just to help him out with uh, some deliveries. So I did that a couple of days a week, and that. You know, that gave me a lot of opportunity to think about the business and what if we went to a delivery model and as time went on, people were less and less dependent on the deliveries and that got me thinking again, right, maybe the delivery model is not the quite right thing to do. So just by volunteering my time with her, it helped me figure things out a little bit. What have you done as a business then to, to come out of lockdown? We initially went off the uh, retail guidance for um, how to protect yourself. And because there wasn't any hospitality guidance available at the time, and it was very it was very slow coming, and what we found was that the government would announce something without having, I don't want to get too political here, but they would announce something before they'd implemented any kind of formal um, plan or guidance on how to how to implement it. So we just went off the closest industry to us, which would be retail. And, you know, just going down the shops yourself, you can see people putting up perspex and stuff like that. And you still see that. And that's the, the approach that we took. And we appointed somebody to uh, develop the 
the IT side of it. And I mean, I went, I went down so many different avenues with what the business would be when we reopened. I even thought it'd been a deli for a while, taking the tables out and putting racking in and, um, and Mm -hmm. then I thought, actually, how much do I know about this doing that sort of business? And I thought (laughs) you can, you can, you can, you you know, I did have a lot of, um, contacts in, in that sort of artisan, uh, food producer area. Cause I I did have a little business for a while where I was doing uh, chili sauces and stuff like that. Uh, and I did loads of farmer's markets. So I got loads of contacts in that, but, um, I just thought, well, there was a deli in the mountain stone a few years before it was, and it didn't work out. So, you know, you, you just, you, you think you've gone to a good idea and then you, you come to a bit of a dead end. And I thought, well, stick to what we know and we'll, 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 we'll develop the, the beer, the, the brewing. So that part about the canning yeah. side, the, the extra fridge, uh, the growler filler. So we can offer, an enhancement on what we'd done before. And it was just about bringing, uh, bringing us back better than before. And, and to a degree, uh, you know, listening to Karen's podcast, she's in the same mindset. It gives you a bit of headspace to think about your business because you just get caught up in it otherwise. And you don't really make any, any changes to yeah, your business. Well, any drastic changes very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been doing that sort of on the side for a bit uh, to um, mates who are in the home brew club at the Chiverton Tap, which I'm just going to plug it here as of Tuesday next week. <laughs> if this podcast doesn't come out in time, it's going to sound a bit dated. Uh, it's the fifth birthday of the, uh, the Chiverton Tap Brew Club. So, yeah, I was knocking out uh, bits and bobs to them, bits of grain, bits of hops and stuff. And I thought, well, if they're buying it, right. there, may be more, there may be more people around, round about, want to buy a bit. And I had some guy come in today, actually. I was like, he knocked on the door. He had a face mask on. I had some, I had some tables outside that I'd varnished and I was drying them outside. And I thought, here we go. I've got somebody complaining about these tables outside. He knocked on the door and answered the door, fully expecting, why have we left these tables out in the street? And he said, are you selling homebrew ingredients? And I was like, yeah, yeah, come in. And uh, yeah, he, 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 you know, he'd been brewing, he'd brewing years. And he said, oh, I'd know where to go. And when they shut that place down on the A6, and I live in Chilean, you're a lifeline. I'm like, ah. Oh. It's moments like that you think. Yeah, I think I've, yeah. I've, 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 well, I plugged into something, and yeah, it makes you think. Actually, yeah, because it's been a bit of a slow burner to start with. Uh, I have two high expectations of myself. Sometimes I think hey, it's going to be an overnight success straight away. But he'd seen it passing in the car, and it's just in the writing on the window that we put there, and. Yeah, it's it's come to fruition. If some bloke is not online, because um, I could tell by his, his, his he had his phone. Yeah, I think. Okay. <laughs> uh, what you were saying about uh, about maybe having a deli idea, and then actually, I don't know about that. So why don't we just stick with what I know? You're actually you're almost like a a, a deli for beer. Yeah, yeah, a mate of mine who's. Uh, I met him through Stockport Beer Festival. He's a 
guy called Jonas Duncombe is 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 Stockport Beer Festival have a competition every year for home brewing, and he's cleaned up in every category for the last five years. And um, he once said to me, you know, your your little brewery you've got there is so small that you can brew what you want and not have to worry about having loads of it on your hands and you've got a direct route to market and you, you know, you'll be like uh, a local restaurant for, for beer, you know, like a, a neighborhood restaurant, but, but for beer instead of, instead of food, you know, like Absolutely. Romulus or something like that. People will seek you out and come, yeah. come from further afield to, well, to find it. Look at the can, and, and uh, I know this as a customer. Um, but the, I mean, the can says "Made in Bramall." Made in Stone is a brewery that focuses on the variety and the quality of our beer. Having the freedom to brew what we want when we want is what makes us special. Yeah, and that's exactly right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some 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 stuff I've made, I've you know I've had to tip down the drain, and you know some stuff has been, you know, I like to I like to try new stuff. Um, you know, I'd, I'd hate to be able to like on a schedule of we've got to brew this this week and and uh, you know without having to be able to explore different styles and stuff like that. So I like it in that respect. And I like suppose it. this this leads us on to I mean, how how is the business looking at, at developing? Are we looking at at the brewery almost taking over and and the the pub being a a nice little a way to sell the beer? Um, still the main. Well, um, there's a, the, the beauty of the brewery at the moment is that it's under it's under pub. It's all under one roof, and that keeps the costs of uh, everything down. Um, yeah. So as you start scaling up, you're getting into the territory of having more rent and everything that goes with it, more fixed costs, uh, or your and your purchase of equipment and employees and and all that or uh, you go down a road of uh, contract brewing um, are you familiar with that so no I'm not okay um, some some people that want to um, brew beer but they don't want to roll the sleeves up and do do the hard work and have all those costs associated with it and all the hassle of uh uh all the administration and everything what we'll do they'll develop a recipe and then take it to a bigger brewery and say can you reproduce this so um okay um you know and uh, you know so there's there's an advantage to that in that you're getting it made for you and you don't have all that headache but there's also disadvantages that you're you've relinquished control of your of your brewery and unless you wholeheartedly trust the brewer that's making it for you there's you know there's pitfalls there and um and then you've got the brewer who makes it for you is margin off the top of that so it's just it eats into your into your margins a little bit um so so for the time being we're, we're just you know we're hunkering down at the moment it's we don't know what's on the, on the horizon so um but be nice to be nice to have a bigger brewery be nice to have um, an extra income stream. Is it from... something that you're looking at maybe doing now that you can in to to pass it out further afield, or, or will it just 
Well, it's, 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 it's like the point that I made before is um, having a uh, exclusive product really is making people come for you, seek you out. Um, yeah. But I've explored uh, maybe getting ourselves onto the odd um, farmer's market or something like that once a month and just doing a bit of, a, okay. bit of direct sales there and a bit of promotion for ourselves there. So, yeah. Depends on uh, depends on consumption. If I've got enough spare stock, then I can probably do that. And... Yeah, that's, I suppose with the, with the size of the facility you've got, you you've probably just about got enough space to cater for what the what the stone initiatives need, really. Yeah, so it's sort of we're exploring, but way up when uh, when we we've only been reopened for a month now, so it's not really don't really have a clear idea on what what we're looking at. What the what the new trends are? We found found that people are coming out and going home earlier than usual. But um, this this help out to eat out scheme has kind of maybe skewed things a little bit. Helped us out a lot indirectly, but um, it's a bit uncertain going forward now. What's what what, what how are people going to get your money in? Romney was going to spend the rest of the next door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Right then, back to yourself then, Andrew. Um, I'd like to delve a little bit uh, more into you and into into your passion, um, which obviously is beer. Um, what is your favourite beer? And I know that's probably going to be an impossible question to answer. Oh, my word. Um, well, I've always said to people, what, you know, Never, never judge people on what beer they drink. You know, because their favourite beer it may not be the best beer in the world, but it's the beer they like. Um, I'm a, you know, there's a, there's a there's a couple of really good beers that I like at the moment, and that may change. <laughs> um, it does, you know, your taste change, but um, I think. One constant that I've liked, I've liked for years, a great Manchester beer, is the uh, Marble Uganda. That's something I, can, I, I, okay. I repeat by. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a great, uh, great IPA. Um, not to everybody's taste, it may be a bit old-fashioned at the moment. So it was, the trend is to go down this sort of big, hazy, murky route and stuff like that, where it's just been hot to up to hell but I just think that's a really nice nicely executed IPA um, I'm a big fan of Belgian beers um, okay. what about brewers do you have your favourite brewery yeah I do um, locally um, I like First Class uh, they do a great mm-hmm. you know Stockport Brewery they do a great range I think and you get some breweries that are sort of one-trick ponies, where they just produce like the popular sort of hazy IPA sort of styles. But uh, yeah. Richard, uh, well, he's like a bit of a kindred spirit, really. He likes just sort of doing different stuff, and his his, yeah, his, his beers are going from strength to strength, in my opinion. Um, and then, what about tips for um, maybe home brewers? Have you got any top tips for people who are maybe thinking about starting up in the shed? Uh, yeah, uh, just give it a go. What's the worst going to happen? 
Uh, I've made some absolute clangers down the years of mistakes. And if you're prepared to make mistakes, you'll get better. Uh, if you're a perfectionist from the outset, might not be the, the hobby for you because there are a lot of knockbacks. There's something, even to this day, I get something that will just blindside me and I've just like thought, you muppet, you know about that. You, should have, you shouldn't have done that. And then, you know, it's... Right. You, you, it, it's it's a great it's a great hobby because there's so much to learn. I'm still still learning loads, and I, you know I've been brewing homebrew probably about ten years, and I feel like I've just got the tip of the iceberg. There's so much that you can do, and so much to learn still. No, by 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 no means an accomplished brewer. I brew the odd great beer. That, that you've clearly got to a stage where you've got a really sellable. I've got, sellable. yeah, I feel like right, I think it's cable tied to the 50th. Well, no, no, cable tied was brought about because my mate Chris Airy from the Chiverton Homebrew Club was turning 50 in uh, April, so we had this, oh, right. we had this beer oh, lined yeah. up. And basically, we worked on the recipe, we'd split. The batch into two uh, before we added the yeast. We tried two different yeasts on it, and we just kind of like messed about. And we all had it. We had it penned in to brew, and then we all got put on lockdown. And I felt like we've got to do this still. So we, a few weeks back, we got together and we we ended up brewing it. So it's it's a homage to his. Uh, well, it's his. It's his fiftieth, and uh, in his on the label is his wife's wrists cable tied together. Um, <laughs> there's no nothing sinister about it. It's just a, it was a, it was it was an it was an improvisation we had to make on the day with a cable tie, and I just thought that sounds about right. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, in terms of. So you, you've explained the, the graphics there on the on the cable side tin. Yeah. Um you've you've already talked about about how wheelie bin is um is is a, a an homage to your your ancestors in in Australia. How do you get the names and stuff for your beer? Uh well it's maybe something that's been said in the bar. Um I had one I had one beer called 180 for 20 minutes. Um because I've got one regular who's self-confessed bad cook and her husband right. says oh everything she does is 180 for 20 minutes even <laughs> even salad and it just became a bit of a thing that <laughs> got said over and over again and it's like right we'll love that as a beer name um sometimes i've like poke fun at um politics although you know try not to get too you know sit as a publican, you've got to kind of sit on the fence a little bit because you don't know who you're going to upset and stuff like that. But I had one called Dead in a Ditch because Boris Johnson has sort of said, I'll be dead in a ditch if so-and-so. And we thought that was a, that was a good soundbite. Um, yeah, there's all sorts down the years that were just uh, some of the puns like, like Jeremy Guile we've had. Um, which a guile in brewing is a batch number, so you 
the first brew you make as a brewery will be Guile number one, for example. So we just called the beer Jeremy Guile, um, just because we can. <laughs> Do you have a favourite Do I have a favourite beer that I've made so far? Uh, one of the things I've, I've noticed is you don't tend to rebatch. No, I'm not. I'm not that keen on doing the same thing over and over again um, for reasons I've explained already, and that yeah. people seem to want something different all the time. So it's about giving them something different as well. There's some. There's some stuff. Yeah, I know, I can Beer that's the same beer every time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a there is a skill to replicating replicating a beer, and I, and I can and have have done it. You know, I'm on on the on the cask side. I'm starting to build up a bit of a core range on that, but on the keg, I I, okay. I, I tend to just want to do different stuff all the time. Um, so maybe I'll come back to some of the other recipes eventually. But um, things about things evolve all the time in beer, so it's about keeping up to date with with what, what the styles are coming on stream. New, new, well, new yeast, which are actually old yeasts, have become the the in thing at the moment. It's uh, <laughs> the Kavik. Have you seen any of those kicking about? It's a it's a Norwegian uh, farmhouse yeast that just. Operates, right. you 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 can't you can't ferment a beer wrong with them because they're just um, they're bomb proof. I know nothing about the yeast. It's all about all about. I, everybody talks about hops. Yeah, you see, yeah. You see all about, but the, the yeasts. I know. I know absolutely nothing about. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's just as many yeasts as there are hops. So um, a lot of the time in the hoppy beers, you. Your yeast will get your yeast will sort of be maybe lost in the hop flavour a little bit, but uh, for a lower hop beer where the yeast is allowed to shine, like a saison or a Belgian beer, then you can sort of tell the difference between the different yeasts. Right. Okay, that's interesting to know. Um, I didn't know that, and I'm sure many listeners wouldn't either. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, to the locality, Andrew, to, to finish on, um, we've discussed your, your favourite beers, your favourite breweries. Um, what, what are your favourite things about the area? I know you said you've only been in the area for eight years, but you have suggested that you it's 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 become home. Yeah, definitely is home. What are your favourite Okay, uh, start on Chilo Hume. Uh, it's my street. Um got some great neighbours around me and I think I saw the best of them during lockdown. Um, everybody was looking out for each other and we created a, a WhatsApp group and we had a nice celebration for the um, VE day. Uh, so that really brought us together. Um, Cheeto Hume, it's, you know, it's a great... We we didn't anticipate having children when we moved around here. It's a fantastic place for children to grow up. Schools are great. Uh, the location of it's fantastic for getting into Manchester or getting out into the Peak District or getting down into 
other parts of Cheshire. It's, it's, a, it's a really good spot. Um, Bramall itself, they've they've really embraced uh, my business. My um, yeah, I, I did have some naysayers when we opened, saying, "Oh, it'd be, it'd be gone in a you know, flash in the flash in the pan." This and. I think we tapped into a, a side of Bramble that maybe had not been represented. Um, yeah, I think you've proved them wrong. Yeah, yeah. There was, um, you know, Bramble is um, a, a, a nice, a nice area and, a, and, a, and an economically privileged area, I, I, I suppose. And people maybe had a preconception that it was uh, just. Uh, Champagne and Jaguars and all that sort of thing, but uh, you know, for, the, for 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 as much of that, there's just as much as just down to earth, normal blokes like me, yeah. normal normal people, normal families that just want to be to somewhere nice to go and get something that's not ostentatious, which we're not, we're just normal, yeah. average Joe's gin. <laughs> Awesome. I 100% agree with you there. I think um, I think you've captured it brilliantly. There's the community, the the, the locality, the, the the area where how close it is to everything. Yeah. Um, the people are just are unreal, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you're probably gathering this off uh, speaking to other businesses, and uh, you know, so we've we've formed a, a little community on Facebook where we communicate between ourselves called Explore Bramall. Um, so, and that, you know, initially it was to kind of, first and foremost, it was to promote people to shop locally in Bramall, but it's turned into something else now where people are looking out for each other, especially during lockdown. We, we were there for each other to kind of like bounce off what the news was, what the, the new changing regulations were. So it's just, it's, it's given us a nice little... Uh, a bit of cohesion between the different businesses whereas you'd probably go weeks without seeing anybody else because you'd be that embroiled in just what you're doing yourself brilliant right thank you very much andrew it's been an absolute pleasure pleasure thank you for thank you for thank you for um, persisting with me because uh, i know i've not been an easy easy person to pin down you've been listening to the scoop with me andy McAnally. Please subscribe to our podcast and make sure to listen to next week's show. If you'd like to share your story about your rise to independence, please email guest at thescoop.co.uk or you can find us on Facebook by searching The Scoop. Remember, The Scoop is spelt S-K-O-O-P. Finally, I really hope you enjoyed this show. And if you did, it would be great if you could leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform or share with your network to help others find us and enjoy our podcast too.